Welcome back to Bird's Eye View. When it comes to the Orioles, this weekly podcast is your official source for our lack of insight and pervasive opinion. Today is June 1st, 2022. This is episode 342. My name is Jake English. And my name is Scott Magnus. And on this week's show, we're going to go around the bases to review this week in Orioles baseball. And Scott, we're going to get a little closer. How close can we get? We're going to see how close you and I can become and how close the Orioles can become to all the things we want them to be. Well, if we get too close, people can just tell us to get back. Um, but we'll do that right after we drink for the show um, and lubricate, I guess, at the same time. Jake, um, let's start with the drink of the week. What are you drinking this week? Scott, I, I don't want this to get out. I don't want this to go too far. I don't want especially our friends at Heavy Seas to find out. Scotty, this week I have been drinking my way through a sampler pack from Flying Dog. It's their... Um, Let's see if I can get this right. It's their uh, 1,000 SPF sampler. Okay. It's got four beverages that, if you don't know, you need to know. Okay. The first is Numero Uno, which I think we've we've talked about. It's a it's Mexican their, lager? Mexican lager. It's, it's a wonderful summer drink. They've also got a hazy IPA ca- called Hop Electric. They've also got a hazy summer ale called Pool Hopping, which is what I'm drinking tonight. Okay. Also, and this I think is probably for me the most exciting thing. I am not a Belgian fan. Yeah. I do not like the wheat. Yeah. Get your bread out my beer. Wheat. I do not like my wheat. But they have in this sampler pack a tangerine wheat Ooh, beer. Tangerine wheat. And the tangerine is just distracting enough from the wheat to make it a palpable drink. This is what they call their Chesapeake wheat. So I've had the Chesapeake wheat before, uh, but I've not had the tangerine version. Um, so thoughts on that one? As a person that does not like uh, wheat. Yeah. This is a good beer. So uh, which one hits your fruity senses the most? Uh, I'm not sure if it's the fruity, but the hop electric uh, hazy IPA definitely okay. gets into that zone. I'm also a sucker for the numero uno, but the entire sampler pack. So if that was a grapefruit Chesapeake wheat, you'd be all over it is what you're telling me. Now you're just hurting me. All right. Well, um, that's good for you. I'm going a little bit more classic tonight. I'm doing a Jack and Coke. However, I did embark on a great journey this week. I'm sure that you did, but I would love to hear all about it. I, I went after being told um, by my fellow co-host uh, that there is no more great for beer in existence anymore in, in liquor stores. I'm just disappointed. That's all. And uh, I came across a cornucopia of great for beer, uh, including one uh, from Dewey Brewer Company from the Secret Machine, uh, specifically a pineapple grapefruit slash orange. Um, it was definitely pineapple grapefruity, um, which pretty much is the name of Jake English's senior year as well. <laughs> but uh, yeah. high school and college. High school and college, yes. It's just kind of a blur at that point of grapefruit and oranges and pineapples. Uh, but if you want to know what we're drinking on a daily slash weekly basis and you know what other kind of fruity beverages we're drinking, uh, follow us on Untapped. You can follow me at MEGN8606. I'm at JakeE4025. And with that, let's go on over to the medical wing. Scott, the biggest news in the medical wing is going to have to wait. I don't want to talk about it yet. 
I don't want to talk about it. It wasn't ready by the time our show notes were prepared here on June 1st. And so I'm going to take a big old dodge and I'm going to go to that, the biggest story. That's what we call a tease, everybody. I, nope, I'm going to leave that right where it is. I want to go to the biggest story. Are we still talking about pineapples? <laughs> in the medical wing. Scott Magnus, I do not believe the Baltimore Orioles. Okay. I think that they, they are liars. I think that they sit on a throne of lies. Looking at their injury report, for June 1st, there is a man named Reed Trimble, an outfielder, who is described as being day-to-day. And Scott, I know for a fact that that means that is a name that was generated by the computer. Reed Trimble cannot be a real player. Can he? Um, he's got no picture on MLB.com. Um, so apparently he's still in um, he's still in contract dis- disputes. <laughs> this is a, la- <laughs> a labor dispute injury. Uh, I've never heard of Reed Trimble before in my life. Um, so maybe he exists, but... Uh, we would have to go to um, The Verge and be like, is this a real guy or are they just making this up? Well, the kind of expertise you're going to get here on Bird's Eye View is he's not real. He's not real. No, it doesn't exist. Not a real guy. I don't even think his mother would recognize him. Outside of the major tease, any big notes as far as the medical wing is concerned? I, I think the only you know big thing that I wanted to mention was... Uh, for as big of a deal as everyone made about Jemai Jones in 2021, um, him being injured, um, basically being done for the season and then being designated for assignment by the Orioles, um, off the 40 man roster. Um, we hardly knew ye Jemai Jones. <laughs> Can I just say yikes and a half? This is not a big deal to you though, right? No, but, but the fall from grace as being somebody who I, I think we said with tempered, you know, with tempered excitement, Boy, it'd be fun to watch him up here to go from that to DFA. Woo. Yeah, I mean, it was um, a matter where we're like, well, that was a really good, you know, get by the Orioles to kind of foster their 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 prospect list. And um, he came up and we're like, all right, like, that's it. And uh, yeah, he went back down and um, nothing really came of it. Let, let me ask you this. Does Jorge Mateo being on this club ease the need for a guy like Jemai Jones? Um, no, but I think someone like Jordan Westberg and Gunnar Henderson <laughs> ease the burden for Jemai Jones. Okay, I hear you. Let me try again. Okay. Does a guy like Chris Owings relieve the need for a guy like Jemai Jones? Um, no, because I think there's folks like Taryn Varvra, who is now coming back as well uh, from a hamstring injury. That might have been mean-spirited, but um, and, and again, like I said, I think there is a decent amount of infield prospects where Jemai Jones wasn't going to make a significant impact. And again, probably could only play second base and maybe third base. Um, yeah, it just wasn't meant to be. It wasn't meant to be. I, I have one last thing to say sure. about the medical wing. And I'm okay if you lie to me right now. Sure. But I need you to tell me everything's going to be okay with Dean Kramer. Uh, everything is going to be fine with Dean Kramer. Why did you just blink twice? Everything is going to be fine with Dean Kramer. Stop winking at me. Tell me it's going to be fine. It was. It's going to be fine. I mean, he came out for his rehab start. He had a nice rehab start. Um, I guess the question really is now, is Dean Kramer potentially coming back in the rotation at some point? Or does he follow the role of a Keegan Aiken as kind of this long man in the pen? I still think it's Keegan Aiken. I'm going to ask you to hold that thought. Okay. Because I'm going to have... I'm going to have thoughts about this later, but I'm afraid that they'll be taken out of context and or I will not be able to put together a a coherent thought. I always knew you were an (laughs) anti-Semite. 
That's not my role in this podcast. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, let's go to 280 characters or less this week on the Twitters. Jake, why don't you go ahead and kick us off this week? Scotty, the Orioles are bad for baseball. They're bad for baseball, and I'll tell you why. This is a tweet that comes to us from Justin Clue at Justin underscore Clue, K-L-U-G-H. Pirates, 21 wins, $35 million payroll. The Orioles, 21 wins, $33 million payrolls. Nationals, 18 wins, $85 million payroll. Total, $153 million. Phillies, 21 wins, $200 million payroll. Scott, let's face it, the Orioles, bad for baseball. Uh, completely agree. Uh, as Buck Showalter would say to Joe Girardi, hey, cut that S out. Um, yeah, it's, I can't believe how bad the Phillies are, and I can't believe um, how badly the Mets are spanking the NL East. You know, when the Phillies do poorly, you know who, who I feel badly for? Who's that? Cecil County. It's funny. You know, I always am watching when I go to like the beach and stuff like that. So this Memorial Day weekend, um, I was looking around for hats. And like I said, the Phillies got really big for a period of time. Um, and then it became Eagles territory. And then it kind of waned out again. And now walking through you know, down at the Delaware beaches, the Orioles uh, gear is starting to um, outpace the Phillies in the Nationals gear once again. Well, Scott, you have to understand. Yeah. When I was a kid... My uncle came into town and he gave me an Orioles hat and I've always worn it. I just, I love the duck. Who doesn't love the duck? What else is out there on the Twitter, sir? I to say, I know Jake English's grandmother would have loved the duck, but <laughs> um, I think we mentioned this on the previous podcast, but this is a good one. I think it's a, a fun one. This comes from Suspended's Family Barbecue at Suspended's Barbecue. Tweet goes as follows. The Orioles aren't yet a wagon, but they might be a rickshaw or a buggy well on their way to being a stagecoach. Whatever it is, I'm riding it. But again, the Orioles have continued to got get a little bit of love from the national uh, media, uh, including Ken Rosenthal from The Athletic, um, you know, talking about this as well of, might be time to get on the Orioles bandwagon now before it's too late. Um, I'm going to go out of order. Yeah. I apologize. Sure. This podcast is now ruined. I'm going to skip ahead. I'm going to bust the show notes. That's fair. I'm going to go to our next tweet, which is, at Terps Baseball. Oh. Maryland Baseball. Who tweets, The Terps have a baseball team? This is going to be fun. <laughs> Friday night's game against LIU is sold out. Limited tickets still remain. Yada, 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 yada. Uh, Scott, is it okay to enjoy Maryland Terrapins baseball? Is that a bandwagon you can hop on? That's a major bandwagon. Look, it's really cool that the Terps are going to host their first regional ever. But this is a major bandwagon. Like, if you're following Maryland baseball, this is a major bandwagon. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? I'd like to know. Here we go again. Uh, it's just a major bandwagon is the is the best way to put it. And like I said, I, I if you want to do that, by all means, go ahead and do it. But I just, unless you went to Maryland, you really should not be, you know, following Maryland baseball. Okay. A couple of things about that. First. From a schadenfreude standpoint, how hilarious is it that the baseball team is doing this well after Maryland goes to the Big Ten for basketball and football? And <laughs> and then they come back and, uh, you know, have to play a bunch of ACC teams in the regional <laughs> as well. So it, it's a cool story. And like I said, I'm glad that Maryland is having success. But I think this is a mere footnote um, that will be long be forgotten of in two to three weeks. Well, you're no fun. I am a Debbie Downer. Enjoy um, the rickshaw, folks. And I am going to enjoy the rickshaw. Um, 
Last tweet comes from Andrew Stetka. Uh, you can follow him at A Stetka. There are going to be plenty of triggered hashtag Orioles fans that have missed this game just because they had to make the smallest amount of effort to watch it. And that is from May 27, 2022. What game was this again? This was the one on Apple TV. Ah, the one that was free for anybody that wanted to basically watch it on Apple TV, but people said, no, I don't want to do that. I have thoughts. Yes. First of all, Andrew Stetka is a great follow. Yep. And you should be following. If you're listening to the show, you should be following. Period. A- end of end of tweet. Uh, second, he is he has many right thoughts. He has many right thoughts, and this is one of them. Yep. But I will say that I, I have to disagree a little bit. Okay. And here's why. Why? The, is this because you don't have an iPhone? <laughs> no. I have <laughs> Apple TV. Oh, that's true. You do have Apple TV. Uh, the Orioles have made it difficult to want to care enough to make the smallest effort to change your watching habits. If 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 there was an Orioles fan out there yeah. who said, "Look, it is just too much trouble to switch from channel 3 to go to the, whatever source it is that gets at Apple TV because I got to get up off the couch." I got gotcha. you. Yeah. I, I I feel you. I feel you. The Orioles have done that to themselves. It's the same reason that when I go and there are 10,000 people in the stands, I don't begrudge the the fans. But I can't remember who it was, and I think it might have been Ryan Blake, but if it wasn't, I apologize to the individual. Um, but they were responding to the whole Apple TV fiasco, and they say, this is just pointing out the people that have not watched Ted Lasso, and shame on them. <laughs> I, I love the fact that the Melanie was on the call. Yeah, and, and, sh- and she's been doing those as well for the 7 o'clock game, so I know there were a few people wondering who was going to make that call, and I'm like, well, Melanie should be on the call. Like, it's going to be pretty classic. I also think too that you know there was a few people that were commenting. I think it was I think it was Josh Josh Roca from Section Three Three Six was talking about it of like how much better the cameras were and everything like that. And again, it's almost like, well, if you've got you know a billion dollar company and you're putting together really good equipment, you can do a really nice job. And some of the camera angles and and some of the things that we've seen so far from Apple TV on Friday nights has been really impressive. I also really like the uh, the quiet stats in the corner yeah like percentage of scoring on this particular play yep no, no score bug right no nope. no illustrious graphics to go along with it just very understated if, if you want to look at it really quickly and come right. right back to the game really good like i said i've watched a few of the apple tv broadcast um and i've been really pleasantly surprised i'm preparing myself mentally for the day that uh apple tv amazon prime um and everybody owns a certain we'll call it significant portion of the sports entertainment viewing, including NFL, MLB, NBA. Who knows about the NHL? I mean, I'm still trying to figure out what that game is about, but I, it's ha- it's going to happen very soon. I'm actually kind of relieved about that, and here's why. I've been quietly concerned okay. about what happens when the cable bubble bursts. Yep. I, I'd be happy if streaming took over. Yeah, I think everyone would be happy with streaming, and again, people... People are going to still compare it to cable because it's still going to be a la carte and based on the amount of streaming services you have. I mean, I've got like five or six, and I'm sure most people do. Um, I think I'd still rather have that option than cable just to come back to the fact of it's not just about watching it on the TV anymore. It's about watching on our phones, smartphones, etc. So again, I was able to go down the beach on Friday night, um, sit there with my iPad in hand, and watch an Apple TV. And I was like, this is probably what it's going to be for the next 20 or 30 years. That was not your iPad in hand. It was definitely my iPad in hand. Um, but yeah, like I said, um, very, very 
very nice broadcast. And again, um, interesting that certain Orioles fans lose their mind over the smallest things, but um, we'll get to that later. Um, why don't we go ahead and talk a little bit about Orioles baseball? It was an interesting week. Um, and let's go around the bases and, and talk a little bit about maybe that five game series in, in Boston um, and just maybe how the Orioles have been doing as of late, um, you know, battling the AL East. All right, Scotty, let's do it. Let's go around the bases here to talk about the, the week that was in Orioles baseball. And you teased it at the end of the last segment. I want to talk about the five-game series. And, Scott, I don't want to talk about this five-game series. I want to talk about the five-game series. I kind of liked it. Really? I kind of like that format. Hear me out. Hear me out for just a second. Okay. Imagine a world. Imagine a world. Where the Orioles are in the playoffs. No, 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 no. <laughs> Imagine a world in which a team coming into town is a big deal uh-huh. because you see them fewer times, right? Think about football teams, mm-hmm. right? When they come into town, it's a thing, okay. right? When the Steelers come to town, it's, Steelers it's a week. thing, right? It's yeah. Steelers week. But when the Rams come to town, that's the one time they're going to be there for the next three years, okay. right? Imagine baseball mm-hmm. in a setting in which the stakes are higher because this is the only time you're going to see the Cardinals, okay. right? This is the, the one of the two or three times you're going to see the Red Sox. And you have a longer period of time to have that play itself out, right? Okay. Baseball, we talk about being a marathon and not a sprint. We do 162-game uh, season. We do five, well, we did, five-game series in the playoffs because we think that that is a, uh, well, a great way to make money on TV, but a more pure expression than a three-game series of which team is going to be better over the long haul. I kind of dig the idea about fewer instances, higher stakes, a, a more um, a, a more focused setting to see which team is going to come out on top. What do you think about the the format of the five game series? So I hear you. I mean, we've seen it also in the minors now where they've gone to some six game series as well. Um, I don't know. It's, it was different. And again, I think the doubleheader made it a little bit more palatable, but by the time I got to Monday's game, I'm like, I'm kind of tired of seeing these guys is the best way to put it without any hype to a playoff series. So I still think four games is my max, honestly. Like I think five is a little, little too much still for me. Okay. Maybe maybe with a ghost runner or two, it could, you know, entice me as it were. But for I, for, for right now, a five game series is um it, I'm not feeling it. I do not like you. Okay, <laughs> fine. So the five game series is no bueno as far as a, a format is concerned. I mean, if we want to go to maybe like one regular game, one regular game, and then we've got like two seven inning games and then another regular game, I'd be cool with that as well. You were just <laughs> hurting me on purpose. Okay, fine. You don't like the format. You're a jerk. Tell me about then this particular five game series as a one off, as a as a bit of scheduling weirdness. What did you think of the five game series with Boston? So I thought the weirdest thing about the whole five game series was that Monday night game being at seven o'clock on Memorial Day. It just felt odd. Like you're coming off an afternoon game at one o'clock on Sunday, and then you've got to wait till seven o'clock, and you're seeing the same town. That's the only one that bothered me. Um, everything else kind of flowed pretty nicely. Everything kind of made sense for the 
you know, for the five game series, but the Monday evening game was weird. And like I said, it was a great result for the Orioles, but just really weird. <laughs> I I think, and, and I'm trying to put my feel my finger on why I felt the way I felt about this series. And I think that one of the things for me, I is, know exactly why you felt this way. It was in Boston. <laughs> you love you love Fenway Park. I do love Fenway. I do love the city of Boston. Yeah. However. That having been said, I'm a person for whom more baseball is always preferable to less baseball, right? And that was a a long weekend of more baseball. M O A R more baseball. Got to love it. Uh and hey, you know, the the Red Sox were doing well, right? They were they were on the rise, so to speak. And the Orioles went in, they happened to win a series. That's that's always good news. Always good news. And again, the Orioles have been winning series lately, which we'll get there I guess. Hold, hold that thought hold that thought second tease guys. yeah second, second tease. tease i want to go to second base what sure. do you got over there at second base yeah so um apparently people are worried about adley rutschman like people Wait, are... Ad- adley rutschman the baseball player who plays the orioles yeah. organization so as we last got together we were talking about adley rutschman and some of the intangibles and just some of the nice things that are you're seeing behind Wait, the plate people people are worried about adley rutschman the former number one prospect in baseball yeah the switch inning catcher. Yeah. Um, that, that guy? Has, that has played 10 games. 11 games now coming into tonight, but 10 games as a whole. Yeah, but five of them were against Boston. Well, I mean, that tells us everything. Um, yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's been a few folks that have been worried about this. Um, I, I don't get it. I, I I just don't even know what to, to say. I'm less speechless on this basis of... Scotty, I wasn't uh, here uh, last week. We 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 did a remote podcast. Yeah, okay? I don't want to peel the curtain back too sure. far, right? But it was a remote podcast. There was some illness involved. Uh, everybody's okay, but I'm looking around SD Studios. Yeah, uh, my home away from home. Yeah, right, a place where I'm incredibly comfortable, and I'm a little disappointed. Okay, you usually roll out the red carpet for me. There's usually all sorts of decorations. I don't see your jump to conclusions, Matt. Uh, my jump to conclusions, Matt, has been long gone for some time now. What is this? I, I just, I, I don't understand this. Like, everyone was losing their mind about wanting to see Adley. And then in a limited sample size of less than 50 plate appearances, like, we're losing our mind about this? Like, what are we even doing here? Like, I don't get it. I don't get it whatsoever. I, I If we got to 300 plate appearances and he has... A super high K rate. Um, the walk rate was extremely diminished. He wasn't, you know, having good plate discipline. I could would completely understand, like being like, well, maybe it's worthwhile to push him down for a little bit just to get his confidence back and bring him back up again. I, I, I don't get it. I, I, I don't. It doesn't make any sense to me. Now you know me. Yeah, and you know that I'm stupid. So I need you to explain this to me like I'm five. Okay. I can, I can do this. It's one of the things I appreciate you about you. Small sample size, small sample sample size, small sample size, small sample size. I may deserve that, but the listeners don't. Yeah. Uh, does small? Ad- does Adley small Rush- sample size? We're gonna do this all night, aren't we? <laughs> does Adley Rutschman have anything to learn? At yes. AAA? Absolutely. Triple A. Oh no, at Triple A, no. no, no. He's, he's got plenty to learn right now in the majors. He's got nothing to learn at Triple A. He's got to adjust to major league velocities. He's got to adjust to um, 
He's got to adjust to major league breaking balls. Um, again, the plate discipline's been really nice. I mean, it has, and that's the whole thing is like he's got a nine point one percent walk rate. Um, you know, looking at peripherals right now, you know, Austin Hayes is having a great year so far. Uh, Austin Hayes has an eight point three percent walk rate, a fifteen point six percent K rate. Adley is a nine point one and a twenty two point seven percent. Again, Adley hasn't displayed the power. Like someone, um, you know, like a, a an Austin Hayes has or a Trey Mancini has, but again, if I'm I'm looking at other numbers, Babip two forty one. Okay, well that's going to obviously improve. Um, yeah, you know, it, again, he's not hitting for a ton of power, but he's just getting used to swinging the bat at Major League Baseball. And again, I also come back to the point that you know, defensively, he's been remarkably better than any catcher we have seen on the Orioles for some time now, both in terms of you know, keeping runners from advancing, but also just the pitch framing alone has been extremely impressive. So I I don't even know why we're talking about this. Again, in if we want to get to 150 plate appearances and then, you know, make some assertions, that's fine. Um I, I don't get why we're losing it over ten games. I have three things to say. Sure. The first, your note about his defensive prowess is for the reels. Yeah. So my my kid catches, right? He's eleven years old. He has gone from watching Orioles catchers and saying at 11, that form is not That's particularly not right. good. Yeah. To watching Adley Rutschman and going, oh, oh, <laughs> oh, I, you can do that. <laughs> rewind that. I want to go back and look at that again. Yeah. Okay. Second, he is holding nobody back. No. Right. There is nobody who should be getting major league at bats over Adley Rutschman. If, if Anthony Bamboom were worth anything at the major league level, sure, let's have a conversation. He's not. Let's not pretend that he is. And the third thing that I will say is that I watch him come to the plate and I have a quiet confidence that we're going to get a good at bat. Yeah. His plate discipline that you talk, he understands the strike zone. Oh, yeah. He does not look overmatched in, in the situation. And the last thing I will say about that is that I watched him swing and hit Utah Street on an extreme foul ball that made it extremely easy to envision the ticket tape parade that we will all throw when Adley Rutschman hits the warehouse. And by the warehouse, I mean the sister building in Cincinnati. Adley Rutschman is going to put it together at the major league level. I have, I have all the faith that I, that I need based on what I've seen, not just wish casting. Yeah, again, I, I just don't get it. I, I just I look at the numbers and I'm like, like there's nothing to worry about here. Is the best way to put it. Like, I, people want to worry about something. This is not the thing to worry about. Adley Rutschman, you know, at the end of the season, if he's at we'll call it eighty to ninety weighted runs created plus, it's something you might note. But again, Adley Rutschman could be an average hitter, um, and be we'll call it a defensive you know superstar and still post a three to four warp thing and again i there's nothing that except for the little bit of lack of power um there's nothing so far that has concerned me at all with adley rutschman's game but you at know all. you know what though at the major league level the singles turn to doubles uh, yep. the doubles turn to homers and unless you're nick marcagas ho-hum ho-hum all right i want to go into third base guy, sure and i want to talk about the month of May. Sure. And Scott, I got to tell you, it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Best of times is the worst of times. 
most recently, uh, you know, it was the ten run games for and against. But listen, oof, yeah, those were interesting. Listen, the month of May, yeah, the Orioles were fourteen and sixteen. Okay, okay, they had a, they had a losing month. If they had had a winning month, if they had had a five hundred month, it would have been the first time since sometime in twenty nineteen. Okay, but. Looking at what the Orioles went up against in May. Okay, they played the Yankees a bunch. They played the Rays. They played a a resurgent Red Sox team, right? Yeah. They played the Cardinals. I I, got to say, the Orioles did fine in May. I I completely agree with this. They were highly watchable. They were highly watchable. A lot of come-from-behind wins. Um, it was really fun baseball watching in May. And anybody that disagrees with that, I, I don't know what you were watching in May. But you're absolutely right. Like, the Orioles came against some really good teams. I mean, Boston was coming off, you know, a hot streak. Mm-hmm. And um, Boston fans lost their minds is is the best way to, pa- to describe it. It's really hard to watch. I hate that. I hate it when that happens. But uh, you're absolutely right. Like, they had a really nice May. Um, still a negative run differential, which is a little annoying to see. But on a whole, I mean you start to see that progress is the best way to put it. And you're like, they're close to being a 500 baseball team. And again, I hear you. It needs to be better than that to be playoff baseball. But again, I will also point out you have three wildcard teams. Now that third wildcard team is not going to be that much better than 500. Scott, I have to tear up the script. You know, the script, you can obviously tell when the team is going to lose in the third inning because of how the game has proceeded. Mm -hmm. And you say, this is exactly what's going to happen. They're going to get themselves out for 12 straight outs, uh, you know, striking out most of the time. And when have we seen a game in recent history, even maybe during the buckle of birds era, like Friday night's game. I mean, that is a heck of a comeback. I mean, I, I don't know even how to describe it. I mean, that game should have been case closed. We're moving on to the next game. It's done. And to come back and score 10 runs. Unanswered. Unanswered. Yeah. In the 7th, 8th, and ninth inning. I mean, that is just, it's remarkable, honestly. E- even in the games where, you know, we wear one on the chin. Uh, and, I, you know, I tweeted this out the other night. In the game, they lost 10 to nothing. I've really got to give it to them. They were fighting hard. The outfield was playing their brains mm-hmm. out. Right. Austin Hayes diving, giving it all he's got, diving, flipping the ball up, coming, you know, not coming up with the ball, but the effort being there. Anthony Santander in right field, again, making a jumping attempt at a ball. Didn't didn't get to it, but not so much going through the motions, but in essence saying, hey, we are going to try certain things to put ourselves in not to win the game, to be prepared in the future of if we're in a scenario that is similar to this. It is easy to look at a club that's fighting and clawing like that and say, okay, there's some character here. Yeah. Right? That makes the 10 to nothing losses easier to stomach. And the thing that makes it easier to stomach than that is the fact that we only lost, you know, one more game than, than we won. Right. In, in the month of May. Now, look, they may have a crap June and all this conversation might be for naught, but for what we just watched, for a month of baseball, I, I'd watch that. I'd watch that. All the rest of the season, like I said, if they could perform like they did in May, I would watch that for the rest of the season well into, you know, September and October. And Uh, and I'm not here to make apologies for the Orioles. No. Right. But what I'm saying is that I'm seeing enough to keep me interested. 
Yeah, I mean that's that's the whole thing. Is like I still don't think this team is a is a good team. Is the best way to put no. it. But I look at it and I'm like, there's something there. Um, and like I said, I I there may be something there that wasn't there before. That's what I was I was about to start singing. Um, I don't know. Like I said. There's plenty of room for improvement, and folks that want to hate on Elias can hate on Elias and say, well, then they, they should have gone out and spent. I, this is always going to be a transitional year. Like, anybody that doesn't think this was going to be a transitional year, then shame on them. Um, the Orioles are going to do something big this offseason. I don't know what it's going to be, um, but they're going to do something big. All right, let's go ahead. Let's slide into home. We've teased it once. We've teased it twice. It's three times a lady, Scott. I want to talk about Grayson Rodriguez. Oh, here on June 1st, it is now 9 in the evening. The tweets have come out. Grayson Rodriguez removed from the game for a medical reason. We don't know anything. The velocity was not good. And so I'm going to ask you, Scott, Yeah. for the record, yeah. is he hurt? I think he is being. I thought. I think he got removed because of precautionary reasons tonight. I don't think it's anything super severe. Um, I don't think the conversation would have gone on as long as it did if it was something super severe. Um, it is concerning to see the velocity drop into the upper nineties, but we've seen that with other pitchers, and it's been either poor mechanics or something else going on. So, again, I think we've got to wait and see what happens. But, again, there's a lot of weird circumstances in terms of, number one, prospect, you're going to be super cautious with it. Um, it is 110 from a heat index standpoint in the bottom of metropolitan area. I am willing to give it the benefit of the doubt for the time being. All right. Counterpoint. Yeah. It's you Baltimore. And, <laughs> you, no, no, counterpoint. You and I. Yeah. Are we experts? No. Were we there? No. Do we know what we're talking about? No. Okay. But gut feeling, lack of insight and basis opinion. It's as if we advertise it. But but your gut feeling is that this is not the worst case scenario. No, I I don't think so. I mean, I think I think if it was the worst case scenario, there would have been um, a much quicker standpoint, and I think that immediately it would he would have came off the mound and been shepherded over. To the bull, to yeah. the dugout is the best way to put I, it. I feel like, you know, oh my gosh, I've got elbow tightness. That's a whole different thing. Yeah. All right. So let me ask you the the opposite question. Scott, what if he's hurt? Well, it depends on what he's hurt with. I guess is a big question. Um, you know what I mean. But if it's... What if it's bad? If it's what, you know, people are thinking and saying, well, it could potentially be this. Then you're looking at a matter where, again... You've lost this year, you lost all of next year, and you're looking at 2024. So you don't think that a post-Tommy John Grayson Rodriguez comes in to be the back end of the opener, John Means, for the Orioles 2023? No, no, not happening. I don't think so. I think it's... I think if it happens, then it's the standpoint of it's 2024, and the Orioles have to really give some strong considerations to what are they going to do about 2023? Because, I, like I said, I've said all along, I think the Orioles have been building up to 2023 being their first year. Well, as you know, yeah. Scott, Grayson Rodriguez 
is the only thing the Orioles have in the minors. That's true. That, that is their only basket, uh, the only egg in the basket. It's the only uh, other good prospect they have in the organization. All right, hang on, because I, w- I want to get to that point later. Let me ask you this. Grayson Rodriguez leaves. Yep. There is a, a possible injury. Yep. Um, on a scale of uh, one to Hiroshima, how would you rate Orioles' Twitter response? Um. Kawasaki. Um, what does it say about Orioles fans that we react the way that we do? I'd say we've been hurt. We've been neglected. We've been injured. Can, can you show me on this stuffed Oriole bird where the team has hurt you? Uh, I can. Um, and then I'm going to promptly wave my tail feathers at you. <laughs> Scott, why are you blinking? All right. So Grayson Rodriguez, we're, we're going to have to wait and see. Uh, it is it is wrong to assume the worst, it's, although not unsurprising as an Oriole fan. It's, it's not surprising as an Oriole fan that we go and assume the worst. Again, though, there's a lot of weirdness. And again, I'm not going to lose my mind over it. Um and we'll see what happens is the best way to put it. Um, hey, and in the meantime, we can watch just under 500 ball at the major league yeah. level. So uh, breaking information, uh, Orioles announced that Grayson Rodriguez has left tonight's game at Norfolk with right lat discomfort. Okay. Okay. Lat discomfort is not forearm tightness. It is not forearm tightness or... It's uh, not an oblique. No, not, it's nor, not an oblique. Um, so, yeah. But, again, it's not elbow. It's not a form arm flexor. It's, you know, just some general tightness. And, again, this kind of comes back to the standpoint of, hey, it's super hot. And maybe your mechanics were a little off tonight. And uh, we're going to have to kind of keep an eye on it is the best way to put it. Uh, Thoughts and prayers to Grayson Rodriguez, right side. I am still not worried about this, is the best way to put it. And again, I think it's something to note. I think it's something to monitor. But it's, I, I don't know what else to say besides just, it's not that big of a deal. Well, thank you, Scott, for not having jumped to conclusions. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm really good at jumping to clu- conclusions. Having rounded the bases, had it made it all the way home and back into the dugout, let's take a quick break. And come back, and Scott, I'm going to ask you, how close is close? Scotty, this was too good for this week on the Twitters. Yep. Uh, and he usually is. This is Matt Taylor. I'm not, I'm not going to bury the lead. Matt Taylor's awesome. Our boy. Uh, here's a tweet that comes from Matt Taylor. And it's a quote. It's a quote tweet of a quote of real life. It's not a quote tweet. It is a, a tweet that quotes real. Anyway, he tweets uh, the great Jim Palmer. Quote, when the Orioles do, compete, uh, do compete in 2023. End quote. And Matt responded with, talk birdie to me. At Jim 22 Palmer. And that statement by Jim Palmer, which I heard on the broadcast, is the basis of this segment. Jim Palmer said he expects the Orioles to compete in 2023. And when this rebuild started in 2019, 
you and I got on this podcast and we circled 2023 as the earliest that we could hope for the Orioles to, to get back to being meaningful, right? To contending. And what I'd like to do right now is think about from what we've seen so far uh, since, you know, 2019, what we've seen this season in the, the current way the Orioles and the Orioles organization is structured. How likely does it seem that the Orioles might contend in 2023. And I think, you know, we should probably start that conversation by saying that uh, we've been done a disservice. We've been done a disservice by the Buckle Up Birds era. Yep. And, uh, you know, that era spoiled us because it caught us by surprise. All of the things that took place that made this franchise watchable, much less a 92-win Cinderella team, were not obvious even to the most keen of observers. And so I'd argue that we don't know what it looks like for a modern franchise to be on the cusp of something special. We have nothing to go on. Um, you know, the similarities between the 22, uh, 2022 Orioles might not be the 2011 Orioles, but might instead be something that took place in Houston or St. Louis, right? Uh, so I'll ask you, Scott, to, to frame this conversation if somebody makes the statement the Orioles are going to contend in 2023 or start contending in 2023, what does that mean to you? What does contending look like? 500 baseball and playing for a playoff spot in September. Okay. And, and to your point earlier on, when I, when I gave you the, the stop sign there, uh, three wild card spots. Three wild card spots. Contending is going to be easier. Contending is going to be easier. Still think it's going to be 89 to 90 games. Sure. But yes, it should be easier to potentially get a playoff spot. And again, it's also a matter of anybody can get hot in the playoffs. Um, and I've, I've pointed this out before. Once the playoffs start, it's such a small sample size. I won't sing it this time, but it's such a small sample size that anything weird can happen. We just saw this last year with the Atlanta Braves. Probably not the best team won the World Series. And that happens plenty of times. It happens plenty of times. And again, there's plenty of times the two, like, you know, the number one or number two seed in Major League Baseball wins. And that happens too. But there is enough weird and randomness that happens in the playoffs that you just have to get in. And you look at Major League Baseball, it has, you know, again, the greatest um, the greatest uh, uh, difference in, in the champions over the years of the Major League sports. Yeah, the Yankees always make it. Yeah, it's always the same, you know, group that makes the playoffs. But the champions... Uh, have a, a wider diversity every year. What what have you seen, Scott, right now for the team that we are watching, you know, again, have a, a pretty non-horrific May? Um, what do you see that supports the claim that the Orioles are going to compete in 2023? Sure. I mean, um, you know, I, I personally think that um, you you look at the bullpen and the bullpen has been really good and you've got a lot of them under club control um you continue to see austin hayes develop into a really nice player cedric mullins has been a little underperforming so far this season but you look at cedric mullins and austin hayes and you say all right those those are two of my outfielders probably for you know getting out of my rebuild um and then i'd say you've got kind of a, a nebulous mass in the infield but again, I, I think it comes back down to with the bullpen and with a few solid, we'll call it players that are going to be, you know, two to three war players, in some instances, four war players. And now you're starting to see Adley Rutschman hit the majors. 
Um, and you've got prospects knocking to basically get to the majors, including Grayson Rodriguez. Um, DL Hall is going to probably pop up in the near future as well. Um, but let's not, you know, tear away, you know, folks like Kyle Stowers, um, Ryan Newstrom. Um, and then, of course, you've got folks like Gunnar Henderson, um, who is just absolutely, I don't even know what to say about Gunnar Henderson besides just like, we keep talking about plate discipline for Adley Rutschman. Gunnar Henderson's had a whole different level. And again, I understand he's playing double A baseball. I don't know. It's, it's, mm, I don't want to say it. I don't want to say it. I'll, I'm going to say it. Um, it's Nick Markakis 2.0. Ooh. Ooh. Nick Markakis 2.0, just by looking at the numbers. It might be even better. Hey, from your lips to God's yeah. ears. Can, can I, can I tell you the, the kinds of things that I'm excited about? Sure. We're having discussions about, oh, where is this talented ball player going to play? Yeah. Right. You you asked a question, and again, I'm sorry I gave you the stop sign earlier about Dean Kramer, so I want to have that discussion. Sure. Where's Dean Kramer going to play? I don't care. Yeah. We have a talented pitcher who's going to come up, who's lighting it up in the minor leagues, and and we might only need him to be a middle relief arm. Yeah, and again, I think this comes back to the point, which is if Dean Kramer gets slotted into the rotation, not a happy camper, honestly, on a long-term basis. Um, but again, if you are saying like, he is going to be a long man in the, in the bullpen, then I'm like, all right, like that's something interesting to me. But, but hear me out though. Scott. Yeah, sure. Let's, let's say he gets a shot at the back end of the rotation. Yeah. We're not depending on Dean Kramer. No. And that's the difference between no. the old quote unquote cavalry. Yes. And what we've got. Yeah. Now. No, Dean Kramer is number five. Like, and he's been number five. And even last year when we said he didn't develop into that number five pitcher, has this like, that's a little bit of a disappointment, but we'll have to find a number five pitcher. And if he doesn't make it, no big deal, because we've got others. Yeah. Right? We're, we're at the point where we are trying to find innings for effective arms. Yeah. And we've got a ton. Like, we're starting to see the the Norfolk shuttle. Yep. And that is the thing that made the difference for the Buckle Up Birds. Yeah. Get a couple of starters, okay, but what do you do with the rest of the innings? And I think the Orioles have built an organization that can handle a winning season's worth of bullpen management. Yeah. I I still come back down to, like, the bullpen is extremely interesting. The starting pitching is still scary, is the best word I would say. Like, and I kept saying this at the very beginning of the season, where it's kind of like, there's a lot of optical illusion going on. Um, I remember various people talking about Bruce Zimmerman and being like, he's putting up John Means numbers. And I'm like, yeah, but... There's a lot of peripheral numbers here that don't make sense. That being said, I don't think Bruce Zimmerman is as bad as he has been for the past few games. However, that being said, I still don't think Bruce Zimmerman is anywhere close to being a number one, a number two, or a number three starting pitcher. I think he's a four or five at best. I think that's the ceiling, and that's the best he's going to be. And he may turn into a Dean Kramer. but um. I don't know. It's interesting. Like, I still feel like looking at this team uh, and the rotation, I still think I'm like, I want to see more Bruce Zimmerman and I want to see more Kyle Bradish and I want to see which one is going to do it. And they both have stuff. Whereas maybe previous pitchers that I've seen in previous years from the Baltimore's, I'm like, 
I don't see it. Like, there's nothing there. Is the best way to put it. Like, there's no there there. They're throwing innings somewhat, but there's really nothing else there. So let let me, and I think your point is a good one. So let me let me skip to the next piece, which is you know we we talk about the things that excite us. You know the the things that that we see that make us think, okay, 2023 is not a crazy day. What what are the things that you see that don't support the concept of the Orioles are going to be able to compete in 2023? I mean, the, the rotation, I think. The rotation is, is one that scares me. Sure. And again, it's one of those matters where I'm like, I still feel like even if Grayson Rodriguez comes up, even if D.L. Hall comes back, John Means, who knows when he's going to be available in 2023? And who knows what he's going to look like? I still feel like the Orioles are one really good starting pitcher away thank god for jordan lyles that's all i can say for for the 2022 Orioles. how so far. weird is that yeah i mean yeah and then i guess the other thing that i would point out is you've got a bunch of Orioles that are doing well to start the season austin hayes trey mancini anthony santander but you've got a lot of folks as well that are not doing so great and again we're going to get Odor. Everyone is loving on Odor. And yeah, he's hitting a, he's hitting on fire right now. But over the season, he's got an 84 rated runs created. Plus, Cedric Mullins, again, 91. There's a lot of things to be concerned about on a long-term basis. I'd like to see more from Mountcastle. I'd like to see more from Mullins. I really have no interest on Odor. And then Urias is the weird one. So, like, if you're looking at Urias and you're looking at his numbers... You're looking at it and saying, Urias doesn't look so great this year. He's got a 232 average, 255 on base percentage, and a 285 Woba. When I look at that, I look at his defense, and I'm like, it's probably not going to do it, is the best way to describe it. But then not at I, third base. But then when I look at his ex-Woba uh, over the entire season, and I look at the hard-hit balls that he's putting out there, he's at a 338 Woba. So part of me looks at that and being like, well, maybe there is something there, is the best way to put it. One more thing, just to come out come out from a Woba standpoint. We've got to talk about Trey Mancini. Trey Mancini's posting a 127 weighted runs created plus. He's posting a 345 Woba. His ex-Woba right now is 396. He's like top 10 right now in Major League Baseball in terms of like hard hit balls. That's got to be a value for the team. But also part of me is just like, that's got to be a value to somebody else as well. Okay. I hear you. I hear you. The next thing on my list to ask you. Yeah. I'm going to answer before I give you a chance. Sure. Sorry, this is me being a jerk. That's fine. My next question is what is missing? Yeah. And my answer to that is investment. Yes. And and what I will say is we have all these pieces, right? And you just uttered the phrase, thank God for Jordan Lyles. Yeah. If the Orioles are serious about contending, they have all of these pieces and it is not crazy to think that you can make both serious and not modest, that's the wrong word, but not insane investments to this team and add the kind of talent that will make a difference, right? You're worried about third base. Okay, what if we brought in a middle-of-the-road third baseman from the free agency uh, market and had Urias to split time or be the Ryan Flaherty of this era? Uh- what if we I'm were- st- I tell you what I, I come back to the standpoint and I know this is this is crazy talk but it's the standpoint of like I still think the Orioles are going to sign Carlos Correa this offseason. <laughs> I look I know it's it's it it is completely illogical there is no history of the Baltimore Orioles doing this. 
I, I want it to happen so bad, Scotty, but that is star power. Oh, yeah. That's what I'm saying is like you are immediately going and getting a star power and you are basically saying we're spending the money. We're going to go out and basically buy a four to six war player immediately, position him with another potential four plus war player in Ali Rutschman. And now all you need is maybe one additional pitcher to be not just a playoff team, but you're potentially being a top 10 major league baseball team at that point. I, I, I love it. And I, and I, I, you, from your lips to God's ears, Yeah, but I don't think the Orioles need to go get star. I think they need complimentary talent. I, I think, yeah. if, if okay. they, I think they were to invest in complimentary talent and see what of their young stars develop into real ball players yeah. with a capital R they then know what they need to go get. And and I'm going to bring it back to Trey Mancini. Yep. You say Trey Mancini has this value, but maybe he's got more valuable uh, value elsewhere. I, I, I just s- look at that ex-WOPA and I'm like, someone's going to look at that and be like, he is hitting the ball so hard. Um, and he is, you know, top 30. I look, just looked it up in a major league baseball right now in terms of ex-WOPA for person over hundred plate appearances. And I'm going to, someone's going to say, Man, if we put him in this ballpark and uh, put him against you know nationally talent, he is going to crush the ball. I agree with you, but what they would get in return, maybe the 2019 Orioles would have needed. Maybe the 2020 Orioles would have needed. I'm not sure the 2022 Orioles going into 2023 need that. Maybe Trey Mancini's incredible ex-WOBA is needed on a club that is going to contend. It's possible. And I think that's the weird conversation that we're getting to. It's no longer the conversation of, all right, when do we need to deal this guy? It's the question of, like, is it worthwhile to keep this person from the intangible basis? I still come back to, like, the star power standpoint. And this comes back to the whole, you know, Michael Elias standpoint. You know, I ultimately always say in my head, a team needs to be at... You know, give or take thirty to thirty-five war, mm-hmm. um, somewhere in that ballpark. But right? if you're generally thirty plus, you're in really good shape to potentially be in contention. The Orioles right now are forecast to be around twenty war, so they're ten war away from being it. I don't think complimentary pieces are going to get you there. I think you're going to have to go after some big pieces and make some big deals, um, and then hope everything falls falls in place. And again, I think you know if you look at the Blue Jays who are at thirty-two point nine. I think it's very possible to create a team like the Blue Jays at 32.9 or the Rays at 30.7 and say, we can create something in that 30-ish range um, and be a really good team and compete for a playoff spot in the American League. Okay. Uh, that's not wrong. I, I'm 100% that's not wrong. My, uh, I guess my thought position is build a team on paper that's going to be 25-26 yeah. and hope. Oh, yeah. Which is a hell of a lot different, by the way, than what we've seen, which is build a team of 12 to 18 and hope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, But because I feel like if you spend one season in 2023. That is very eerie to the Buckle of Birds era, which is the aspect of like, they're not the worst team in Major League Baseball from a war standpoint, but they're probably in the 20th to 25th rank. And compared to the AL East, it's like, well, they're going to finish last. Um but there is those intangibles like Buck has Buck used to always talk about of like, you can't just measure everything on war. There is a certain amount of intangibles that are going to occur on this basis. And I completely agree with that. Uh, this goes back to circa 2012 Baltimore Orioles uh, and bird's eye view. Um, 
but I feel like you still need one more big star power. I, 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 again, I, I feel like I'm uh, digging my heels in, but I, I don't want to sound like I'm disagreeing right. too much. I feel like if you get into the 2023 season and you have a team that you know can win 78 games at the, as, as the basement, you come into 20, the, the 2023 off season, right? Preparing yeah. for 2024, knowing, hey, in order to take the next step, this is what we need over the next three years. Yeah. Let's go buy it. And, and you know, you've saved it for five years. Sure, sure. Uh, and what the heck else were you doing if not saving for this? Not to mention you've got all that Paul McCartney concert money coming in. So, <laughs> so Scotty, we can squint our eyes and tilt our head, and we can see a contending team without too much wish casting. It's close. And again, I think that's the point that folks are starting to make in the national media. And again, even interviewing some other folks that are playing against them. I think um, Alice Cora was talking about this as well. Um, similar to Kevin Cashin's like, there's talent over there. Like it's turning into a really good team. So like people are noticing that it's a, a different amount of talent. Again, they're not quite there yet. Um, but it's definitely different than a team like the Nationals, who are at a similar war, and they're at a downward trajectory, whereas the Orioles are at an upward trajectory. Oh, you hate to see that happen. I mean, I'd be perfectly fine taking Juan Soto off their hands if they're, if they're interested. So, Scott, your answer official is pretty close. I think, and I said this in 2018 when we started the rebuild, I said 2023 is my year where they should start competing again. Didn't say they were going to win a World Series. I said 2023 is the year they should start competing again. I hate it when you're right, but in this instance, kind of love it. All right. Well, uh, with that, um, let's go ahead and uh, look at some more statistical numbers. Let's see who won Fantasy Boss this past week. sound of uh, Gwen Stefani uh, means that Jake uh, has won this week's ex-WOBA. Um, he took Trey Mancini. I took Allie Rutschman. Allie has not clicked at the plate, and Trey continues to um, smack the heck out of the ball, as it were. Um, and that's putting it nicely. And it's putting it nicely. Um, so, Jake, congratulations on picking Trey Mancini. Um, what will be your category this week? First of all, I have to tell you, I got a little nervous. Okay. Okay. I'm not sure when the last time I was looking up in the standings at Fantasy Boss, you've shaken me to my core, Scott Magnus, which means that if I'm going to win this, if I'm going to put my foot to your throat in Fantasy Boss. You've got to pick some ridiculous stuff. We're going to get stupid. Yeah, we're going to get stupid. And so, Scotty, my question to you is, which reliever will pitch the most innings? Highest innings pitched of the bullpen over the next week. It's got to be Keegan Aiken, right? Does it? 
I'm going to go with Keegan Aiken. I think he's leading Major League Baseball right now in innings pitch for relief pitchers. Okay. I'm going to go with Joey Crable. Okay. So you're going to go with quantity over like game start or games in as opposed to amount of innings. I'm hoping uh, that the types of games that require a Crable are more than the types of games that require Aiken. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. It's not insightful. It's not insightful. I'll take it. it sounds like a guess, which means that Jake is obviously going to win next week for Fantasy Boss. You realize neither of them are going to pitch all week, and we'll have to talk about why that happened. No, they're definitely going to pitch. There's no question about that. Uh, well, with that, um, let's go ahead and uh, you know pick our folks out for who is good, who is bad, and who is ugly this past week in Orioles baseball. That's right. It's time again for the good, the bad, and the ugly. I'm going to go ahead and get started. And Scotty, I, I want to do it just because I feel like we might not have too many opportunities to do this. Although I hope that's not the case. I want to sing the praises of Jorge Mateo. Yeah. He had a great week. Great offensive week. He had, no, he had a great offensive week. And defensive. 147 weighted runs created plus. Right, yeah. He had that, that triple, right? He had a great week. But he has had a consistent week with what I think has been uh, representative of the rest of his defense yep. in the fact that as far as defensive runs saved, and I don't have the, the metric here in front of me, I believe that he is one of the most highly rated shortstops in that category. I think you're right. I think he's maybe top 10 right now, and I can take a look for that while we are while we're still talking. The thing that's been keeping Jorge Mateo on the field has been his defense. And it is so good to see offensive production match that. And, you know, he's an exciting player the minute the bat strikes the ball. As soon as he puts a ball in play, regardless of how hard the contact in uh, is, he's exciting to watch. Is it a, 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 you know, a ground ball to the third baseman? I'm all ears. You know, I'm super excited to watch uh, Mateo play baseball. I really want him to continue to do well offensively because, again, Speed kills. It is a very fun player to watch. All right. So runs per 150. Uh, he's at 5.7. Um, he's got some good defensive metrics as a bus subscriber. Like I said, if you were looking at someone else um, that he is comparable to, um, Wonder Franco is an individual he is comparable from a defensive standpoint. That guy's terrible. Um, individuals that are better than he is, uh, Luis Urias, which again, Gold Glover, um, Paul DeJong, uh, Miguel Rojas. Uh, but again, you're right around folks like uh, Juan DeFranco. You're right around the folks like Corey Seager, Andrew Velasquez, uh, Didi Gregorius, um, Nikki Lopez. So again, um, obviously Juan DeFranco and, and Corey Seager are going to be a little bit better from, from the uh, bat standpoint. Um, but yeah, Jorge Mateo has been very serviceable at shortstop um, defensively so far this season. All right, who is your good for this week? Um, I'm going to give it to Tyler Wells. Um, two starts this week. One of them was a loss, but again, kept it to a minimum with the 1.64 ERA. 
Um, and it's doing pretty nice out there and just kind of we'll call it giving serviceable starts is the best way to put it. You and I talked about it earlier. I was a little bit, I think, more excited about it. I want the Tyler Wells experiment to work. I, I'd like the Tyler Wells experiment to work. I'm still extremely, I'm still extremely skeptical about the Kyler, Tyler Wells experiment because again, it's just, you know, 5.7 walks per nine, 1.44 walk. I mean, sorry, 5.7 case per nine, 1.44 walks per nine. There's nothing quite there. It's kind of like invisible is the best way to put it. And again, the Babbitt still scares me at 259. I, I don't know. Like I want it to work, but I'm still skeptical. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, but you have to give credit to where credit's due, where he had, you know, two nice games is the best way to put it. And it's someone that kind of goes under the radar, and I wanted to bring him into light a little bit. Do you know what I see when I see Tyler Wells? Um, new Mike Wright? Brad Brock. Brad Brock? Yes. Um, I don't know if I see that. Why do, you, why do you see Brad Brock? From what I see the first time around. Yeah. First time through the lineup, mm-hmm. Brad Brock. Okay. I look at a guy who, if he fails... Right? I'm not convinced he will. So, I'm not convinced he won't be a five star. Because when I look at him, I think Rocky Coppinger. <laughs> You're not a good person. <laughs> there was a time that I liked you, and that time has it's sliding. Right now, Dark Ages Baltimore Orioles fans are cringing. They're just like, "Why would you mention that name?" Not even a buddy groom. No. All right. No, he doesn't get he doesn't get the buddy groom treatment. All right. So we're we're doing the good, the bad, and the ugly. You just gave your good. Where are we now? We're in the bad. Okay, so it's my turn to give a bad? Yes. No. There is no bad? I'm not doing it this week. Scott, I will not do bad this week. Good, part two. Marcos Duplan had 5.1 effective innings from the bullpen. Another guy that I look at and I say, he has no business being on this team. What? What? He's going to be effective? Okay, sure. Where are we going to keep this arm? Duplan could not have been effective at a better time. He was my second good for this week. My bad is going to have to go to, unfortunately, Melanie Newman. And uh, there was a video that came out uh, from one of her her coworkers on on Apple TV uh, with her dancing to Sweet Caroline. Um, I understand why she's dancing. I understand why she would cheer on such a, you know, a a song uh, in Fenway Park. But Melanie, you can do better. That's not that's not a good look. <laughs> I uh woof. Okay. Good um, times never felt this good. Oh man. That does not feel right. Okay. Uh you just gave your bad. Where where are we now? We are point? an ugly now. No. You're not gonna give an ugly either? I'm not doing it, Scotty. Okay. It was a good week. I had a good time watching Orioles baseball this week. No ugly. None? Good, good part three. Okay. I want to talk about so much for these rules that we have. I'm sorry. Are you new here? I would say. Austin Hayes was pretty good this week. Austin Hayes was good. And I was a little worried about Austin Hayes coming off the injury, right? I was I was really watching him come back, thinking to myself, all right, you know, this is the opportunity for him to have the wheels fall off. This is his bugaboo. Austin Hayes had a really good week offensively, a 167 weighted runs created plus. Um, and, and I mean, he had a 350 BABIP. He was just on the ball. And again, playing an excellent outfield right now. 
Austin Hayes had a great week. And in a, in a week in which, hey, look, I could have been that guy that saw bad and saw ugly. I saw a lot of good this week, and I wanted to make sure we called it out. All right. So I guess I'm going to take this on the chin. Since Jake has uh, so far uh, reluctantly given anything of uh, negative notes, I've got to give my ugly to two individuals, and it's got to go to both Kyle Bradish and Bruce Zimmerman, who have been prevalent in giving up the long ball. Um, Kyle Bradish probably gets a bigger asterisk for me than Bruce Zimmerman. Um, however, Bruce Zimmerman giving up, what was it, five home runs um, is pretty bad. Um, yeah, but Kyle Bradish not getting out of two innings pitched is equally as bad. So um, they have been very ugly lately. And again, Bruce Zimmerman's long ball tendencies over the past two weeks is deeply concerning. Um, so hopefully one of those two get it together. Um, but since Jake is not willing to take it on the chin, as it were, Kyle Bradish and Bruce Zimmerman both get my ugly for this weekend in bird's eye view. Let me ask something. Sure. Kyle Bradish. Yeah. Figured out the majors or does he need to be sent down? Figured out the majors. Why? Why not? I think you're right. That's the right answer. I think if John Means was here, I would probably send Kyle. I might be able to send Kyle Bradish down. I don't know who else I would be putting in there right now for Kyle Bradish. Simple as that. Um, again, when Grayson Rodriguez comes in or comes up and if he does come up in the future, um, which God, I hope he does. Um, I would not be pulling Bradish or Bruce Zimmerman out of the, out of the rotation. I'd be, you know, sending someone else. Um, but yeah, I, I, Kyle Bradish and Bruce Zimmerman both had to figure it out in major league baseball, suck it up and, and, and deal with it. Sorry. All right. Well, with that, um, why don't we go ahead and, uh, blow the save, uh, Jake, I'll let you take it away. All right, Scotty, we talked about a very watchable May, which means that we turn the calendar to a hopefully very watchable June and a June in which we get to watch the Baltimore Orioles win some ball games. Being June, though, I do want to point out that it is Pride Month, right? A, uh, a issue that is near and dear to both of our hearts. And one of the things I would like to think about is what is the status of Major League Baseball, not just our culture, but Major League Baseball when it comes to LGBTQ+. Um, there have only been two players um, associated with Major League Baseball that have, have come out as, as being gay. The first, obviously, uh, that comes to people's mind is Billy Bean. Uh, but the other one that players uh, that people may not know about is uh, Glenn Burke, and I, I recommend that you go and check that out. But Glenn Burke played from 1976 and 1979, uh, and though he was out to his teammates, uh, not necessarily a, a public uh, situation. I wonder, you know, as we're starting to see some NFL players come out, when will it be that this is an issue where Major League Baseball catches up to society as a whole? So let's look at the baseball in June, but also from June 1st to June 30th, I'm going to be wondering, Major League Baseball, where are you? Yeah, I mean, it's a great opportunity to speak up. Um, take some actions um, and do so. Um, I'm going to break the rules really quickly too, if you don't mind. 
Um, it, it's great that it's Pride Month. And like I said, I think it's really important um, to raise awareness. However, we didn't make mention of another situation that has recently occurred. And that obviously is the school shootings that have recently happened in Texas. Um, and I want to make mention specifically of the effort that was taken by both the Tampa Bay Rays organization and the New York Yankees organization to not post anything in really to sports content, but literally dedicate their entire stream to posting, um, you know, information about guns, gun violence, uh, suicides through guns. Um, and folks lost their mind in, in this process, but it is the kind of action that needs to be taken to basically slap it in front of certain people's faces to make them aware that there is a greater issue out there. So it's great to see the Rays do it. Um, and this is no, you know, belittling of them the rays i kind of expect to do at this point because again an extremely um left-leaning liberal organization however to see the yankees do it is a much bigger deal um to change the perception and to hit a totally different audience and or demographic out there um so i rarely say this but well done yankees and well done rays for taking the initiative um, and basically raising awareness um, on something that is very easy to brush over and or forget about in, in several days. And remember baseball is the reward for having a functional society. Absolutely. But again, keep your politics out of our sports (laughs) in, in further breaking news to end this week's bird's eye view. Andy Koska, who is the Orioles beat writer now for the Baltimore Sun, is reporting as of this moment that Grayson Rodriguez was removed from the game with cramping in his back. Um, and a, an additional source has confirmed that Grayson Rodriguez felt dehydrated and he doesn't anticipate this being a further issue. And Grayson Rodriguez has also come out and quoted saying, I just felt something a little off. We took it as a precautionary basis, and we have him. I came out of the game. All right. So we'll have to see how this transpires. But again, it looks like for one day, the gods have smiled on Baltimore Orioles fans. And that that is our show. Remember, you can find this in our entire catalog of indispensable episodes at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. Bird's Eye View is available for download wherever it is you get your podcast, even if it's birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. Please remember to subscribe to our show, whether it be on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify. And if there's another service that you're using, please let us know. Also, try to rate and review the show um, on those given platforms. We appreciate the feedback and it encourages other people to listen and find us for the first time. Maybe not so much good feedback for this show. Maybe not. Come and get social with us. You can email us at contact at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. Hate mail for this evening's content. Send right to jake at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. You can find us on social media, on Instagram. We're on Facebook. We're on Snapchat. We're even on the ticks and the talks. But the best place to find us is on Twitter, where we tweet at birdseyeviewbal. And with that, Baltimore and beyond, I will bid you all a fond adieu, adieu. Good night, Baltimore. Drink some darn Gatorade and let's go O's.
You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.